you're fairly, you know, I think in your words, fairly new to this position, the CEO position at Centera. But what drew you to it? What was it about like the mission that they were on, like maybe the stage that they were at? What drew you to it? Yeah, so I think there's really <clears throat> there's a lot of, of you know review that went into this. Um, there was really three core concepts that I looked at. One was just the the industry, right? The the broad problem that we're all trying to solve. Everybody knows that sustainability and you know the the population growth, right, are all big factors that the agricultural world is trying to solve. And you know, why wouldn't you want to be a part of trying to you know play a small role? in solving that problem and, and you know, providing a, a better world, right, for, for your children and being able to, to, to make this just a better place. That's what we're all trying to do. Um, that was attractive. Um, I think maybe more importantly for me, just the dynamics of um, looking at ag tech in general and the amount of funding that was going into it. My background is in cybersecurity software. I spent, you know, the last 14 years of my career building and growing um, cybersecurity software companies. And it, it felt all very similar to what cybersecurity looked like 10 years ago, right? right? And um, lots of money coming into it, not a clear ROI. So maybe a little bit more difficult to sell. The adoption of it was a little bit slower, um, but you knew what was gonna happen, right? You just knew that headlines were gonna come, data security was gonna be a, a very, you know, top concern for CIOs. And you knew that the valuations of these businesses, if you can execute well, we're going to skyrocket. And, you know, I think ag tech seems very similar to that. You know, it's, it's an industry that hasn't been totally disrupted uh, for what I've learned a variety of different reasons. Um, but there's a lot of, I think, interest in now in, um, in the space, in the industry, by all the various different players of investing into that disruption and being a part of the disruption. And I think, you know, the next five to 10 years, is gonna look very similar. I think there's gonna be a lot of value created, not only for companies like ourselves, but for everybody in the value chain, growers, uh, retailers, uh, you know, the you know, large inputs companies, you know, new uh, innovative companies like uh, the biological companies that, that are out doing great things. Um, there's just going to be a lot of value created. And, and I think that, you know, companies that understand how to focus on winning a niche and then uh, really listening to customers and understanding okay, what their what their needs are and then let that be your, your story on your product development roadmap. Um, I think those are going to be the winners. And um, I think that third piece of this is really Sentara itself. Um, you know, the more you look into it, it it's, highly respected, um, you know, for, you know, brand names in a very small space. It's one of the most respected brands. Um, it had a, a blue chip customer list that, you know, the who's who of large, you know, ag uh, companies and a steady growth. And, um, you know, I joined Eric Taipla, who was the CEO who moved into a CTO role as a technology uh, individual, a, you can't find a better you know, group of people here that, that know and understand machine learning AI and how that applies to a very unique use case. And um, I feel you know, that felt that the combination would be uh, a really perfect fit for, for both of us. And I think a year in, we'd, we'd both say the same thing.
Yeah, it, it sounds like there's this Venn diagram in the organization of of ag as well as technology. You come in from more of that technology background. Did, and I'm sure there was probably some expectations you had or maybe some assumptions about the organization or, or the industry in general. Is there anything that in the first year or two you were now looking at and you're like, oh, wow, that's not what I thought. Uh, this is completely different than I maybe expected. Anything that comes to mind when, when you're asked that question? Well, the, I, I may regret this, uh, <laughs> but I think if I'm just being super honest, I think that, you know, Sentara um, has really positioned to try and be a software company. And, and I think that, you know, the more that I started to peel back the, you know, the, the layers of the onion here, you start to realize the true value in what we're providing is in the data, right, that we're capturing and that we're converting into insights or, or information. And, and really what we've uncovered now is a third piece of that, which is it's not just the data or the insight, it's actually what is the answer, right, that you're mm. looking to solve. And every single one of our customers is looking to maybe solve a different answer. Some of them are maybe in the same kind of category um, that they're trying to solve, but uniquely to them, it's a different answer that they're trying to to, to figure out whether it be, you know, which hybrid seed, you know, is performing better, whether it be, um, you know, what is the purity of this, this hybrid seed, whether it be, is this uh, biological having uh, more efficacy than this biological, which one should we bring to market and how can we make a faster decision to be able to bring these to market quickly? Um, I think, you know, now we're uncovering, you know, the companies that have been around for years, right? These inputs companies that, you know, could be being disrupted by these biological companies. They're interested in saying, okay, I have a commodity type product. It's not an unlimited resource. And, you know, what can I do to uh, have a voice in, you know, the improvement of sustainability and climate change and what becomes, what differentiates me. And I think what's now, um, what we're learning is that the differentiation can come through technology, right? And technology can give the answer, right? The, using the data and the insight, the answer can be, okay, um, I'm a crop protection company and I've developed a specific herbicide that is really effective in this one species of weed, right? How can, you know, the, the, the new product can be okay, where do I apply it? When do I apply it? And how do I apply it, right? So you're not necessarily applying it to the entire you know, crop, you're, you're applying it only to the specific precise location that makes sense. And that's where the adoption of these you know, big in investments and in innovation for these inputs companies are gonna be unlocked, right? Is by providing basically a digital product, a digital wrapper, right? That comes with that input, maybe that herbicide or that phosphorus or potassium, you know, product, when to apply it, where do I apply it, how much? And um, this really becomes a, you know, um, you know a label of, of how you. Uh, do you think um, the product roadmap saw that coming and, and it was an inevitable to get to that point to go from sort of data to insight to decision? Or is that more of a, an, a recent, like, oh, you know what we could do is we don't have to stop at insight. We, I mean, is it inevitable or it really took some clever thinking to get to that next level of thinking about the product in that way? I wish we could take credit for it. Um, 
you know, I, I don't think that it was something that we kind of came up with. I think it was just listening to what our customers mm -hmm. want mm -hmm. and what they're trying and maybe going a, a, a layer deeper by asking those questions. Okay, well, I understand you want this data point. You know, what what is the you know, what is the takeaway that you want from it? And then with that takeaway, what what answer are you looking for? Are you looking to make a, a product decision? Are you looking to uh, take cost out? Are you looking to uh, predict the nutrient uptake of this? Because we can probably do that with the full scope of data science that we have here. I mean, we, we've obviously got the ability to build sensors to capture high resolution imagery, right? That's kind of how we started. Um, we've got the capability to run those images through computer vision and deep learning frameworks to be able to you know, convert that data into a, a piece of information. Um, you know, where we now have unlocked even more value to these, these customers is, especially those that don't have deep data science organizations, is data modeling, right? Let's take our data, our proprietary data with the imagery that we can you know, fly and capture over uh, your, your plot trials, combine it with your proprietary data, as well as maybe public data, weather, soil information, um, and build a predictive model that's localized to you, right? To mm -hmm. you and, and your fields, it's unique to you, that's you know, more accurate to, to you or to your, your customers. And um, that's really just been by, uh, uncovered by asking, hey, what are you trying to solve? And um, I don't think that we would have gotten there if we would have had the full capabilities of, of data science from, you know, product development on the, the front end to machine learning to, um, you know, data modeling. Yeah. Just to go back to when you joined Centera, because you, I think you said you're in the, you've been in the CEO seat for over a year now. Whenever, if you were to go to dinner, have drinks with somebody who's outside the industry, how do you explain to them what Centera does? And, and uh, just in like layman's terms. Uh, I guess the quickest way to explain it is we um, use drones to capture aerial imagery of crops and we take those pictures and we convert them into data points on crop health, um, you know, you know, size, flowering. Uh, there's lots of, of different data points, um, you know, that you know, weed pressure, right? D different things that we can identify in an image, um, and we convert that into information. And we can do that on broad acre um, row crops, or we can do it on on small plot uh, R and D. Uh, fields and do they get the importance of that i don't think so no, <laughs> no. i think everybody and you know I, and this was me too right when i joined i thought okay a lot of these technologies are really for the grower and you know, where you know we've seen a lot more adoption is in you know the large agriculture enterprises right you know the the companies that are bringing these you know um, new products to market really the, the level where innovation is is happening um, you know, I see that those are the, the organizations that um, are responding much more and, and, and more curious to see, okay, what can aerial imagery provide me? And, you know, how can your data science capabilities, um, you know, help me make a decision faster? And that can be either in season or, or obviously, you know, uh, out of season with the regular cycles. 
And going is, back it the far, is it the farm gated and advisors or is it the input companies who are trying to prove the effectiveness of, of their new innovations that you think is, is more apt to adopt this? Um, I, I think one is going to adopt it faster than the other, but I think that there, there's adoption in both areas, mm. you know, as a, a small business that's, you know, in scale up mode, right? We're focusing on our energy where we think that the growth is going to be faster uh, which is with these you know, large inputs companies. Um, I, you know, we, we obviously very clearly support, you know, the, you know, farm gate, you know, the retail advisor that is bringing, you know, these, um, uh, this technology to their growers to improve the relationship, to help them make better decisions. Um, our platform absolutely supports that. We have, you know, hundreds of customers that are using that. Um, but I think that it, my personal view is that's going to be a slower adoption curve. Yeah. And it just from the outside hearing you say both the inputs as well as getting into decision making, it seems like if that is the avenue, then it makes that decision, the delivery of decisions easier because if you had a handful of like really key partnerships, you can cut, you know, codify each one of those to a decision making. Whereas if you were starting with the masses of growers, there's so many decisions. Uh, I would assume much harder to get to a decision. You just need to give them insights and let them decide. From, is is that a fair interpretation of that, or have I got that? Got yeah, that wrong? I think so. I think so. And it's also the differentiation has to be the experience, right? The experience of okay, I'm, I've I've gotten a stand count, right? Now, what decision can I go and help make for the grower? Because again, they've got all types of other things on the on their mind, um, you know. So I think. The, the enablement of that type of technology takes longer, right? It's, and the retailers, you know, they, they don't want to necessarily be logging into multiple different applications either, right? And they, they've all invested into their own, you know, data platforms that, um, that they want their users, you know, using, right? And, um, you know, we've found that APIing our data or our insights into their platforms is maybe a better route, right? So, that's why I was saying maybe you know earlier before, you know, what was the biggest you know surprise is, is maybe we're not a software company. I've got a software background, right? We certainly have a software um, you know data visualization layer, but is that truly the value that you know customers are getting? And 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 I, I don't think it is. I think it's the data right that we're that we're able to provide and the predictions uh, from that data that we're able to provide that are customized and localized to each individual customer of ours. Yeah. If you think about the the journey that Centera's been on so far and then, you know, the the year that you've been here so far and the years ahead of you, are there certain hurdles that were cleared before you arrived or maybe that you've helped clear in the past year that you're just, you know, impressed that you guys have gotten past that point or just very thankful that you're past that point or proud of the team for achieving that mark? Yeah. Um you know, the, the customer list that we have, I think, is the who's who, right, of who, if you're going to have a, a startup, right, you're going to hope that you you get those customers, you know, backing you. And I think, you know, I was, I was actually watching a, a recent, um, you know, podcast or, or interview that you did with uh, the folks at Regrow, and they had talked about how they uh, really see their their customers as more as partners. And I, I couldn't agree more, right, just being able to get to that level. Um, where you feel like your customers are partners and you're you're sharing the table instead of you know I think that's really impressive I think as we look into the future 
um, any startup, right? You, you get to where you're at by throwing everything against the wall and kind of seeing what sticks and you have to uh, kind of get out of that. We're going to, we're going to make everybody happy, right? We're going to boil the ocean. We're going to make everybody happy. And, you know, we'll see Sentara evolve going forward is just being intensely focused on winning a niche of, you know, being a, basically a data science as a service provider, leveraging the unique different differentiation that we provide, which is high resolution imagery and building, creating data off of that imagery um, to, to solve some of our customers' most challenging data problems, right? What's, what, what's the, the outcome that you're trying to get? What's the answer you're trying to get for this particular data project? And, and we can help you, um, whether it be full service, whether we you know, do the entire, you know, from sensor to prediction, or whether we meet you wherever you're at, right? And where we're just actually capturing the data and you've got a data science team that you want to, to use that. But, you know, focusing um, on that specific space and ra rather than trying to, you know, solve everybody in the ag, you know, value chains problems is, is probably, uh, you know, where you'll see Sentara, you know, move going forward. Yeah, it seems like that's the natural, like, uh, maturation of a lot of industries is um is finding that spot where you just can really own it and and nobody else i mean you can claim it and nobody else can get to it um kind of on that same thought do you look ahead at the next two three five whatever years and see any kind of shifts are you are there any shifts that you would predict that happens kind of in your space um you know kind of relevant to what you're doing anything that you think's on the horizon um, you know, uh, I'm hopeful, uh, on two things. Uh, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, eventually we can unlock the power of drones by, um, you know, clearing the FAA requirement to have somebody, you know, there, right. To fly it, right. The whole drone in a box concept would be incredibly uh, helpful to our industry, um, because it allows the capture of, of uh, data over more acres at a much lower cost right now the the, the cost to fly mm -hmm. uh, is still the barrier i mean it's it's better economics than you know flying a plane and it's better resolution um but i think you know that is something that, that we're hopeful you know happens uh, so that you know we can you know solve a lot of these problems right now that we're solving at, on small plots but solve them at a broad acre scale and, and roll them out to the rest of your uh, the rest of the, the industry. Yeah. And you, you, that's kind of in some ways you might say regulars have a bit of misconception of what that uh, is holding some companies back. You also talked about, you know, friends, when you explain what you do in layman's terms, they also don't quite get it. Are there other misconceptions that you think exist in the industry or with maybe regulators uh, who influence industry that you would like to see overcome or that you just have to sort of explain away in your conversations? Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't been around long enough to, to see it myself, but yeah, I think that ag tech from what I'm told is, is a bit of a reputation of maybe overselling and, and under delivering, um, you know, and that's a reputation that we're all trying to overcome. Um, so, you know, I, I think that a lot of, you know, the, macroeconomic pressures right now that are occurring are going to weed some of that out um you know just with you know the cost of capital being so much higher and 
I think that the the winners will will kind of you know be there standing at the end, and you know those winners are going to be the ones that are actually you know delivering you know what they say that they're they're going to deliver. So, yeah, you know, I think that from my view, just my own view of, of our business, obviously it's a misconception for you know our you know role in that space, um, and obviously we prioritize doing what we're saying we're going to do and providing the data at the level of accuracy that we you know promise that it's going to be there and on time and um i think that's why you know we've been really thrived um so i, I think that oh uh i have a bit of a window into a lot of different tech sectors and i think it's pretty common in a lot of them um i don't know what the root of it would be for ag i haven't figured that out but i i do know that i think the pace of innovation is sometimes stunted just because of the growing seasons. Whereas when you're in SaaS or cybersecurity, like you said, you came from like, there is no growing season that slows you down that you have to wait for. And so I do think that might have something to do with like the pace it takes to get to that thing that they've promised. But that's just one, I, that's just one guess at why that is. I don't, I don't know if that's the main one. Um, I'm not sure if you see anything like that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that, I think that, is another surprise, right? That I don't know if I was prepared for, right? You, you've got basically one sailing season, right? Going in to the growing season and, um, you know, you've got to be ready for it and you got to make sure you can deliver on your entire roadmap for it. But, um, you know, in all other spaces, typically you're on more of a quarterly cadence. right? so you got to nail it. You got to be right. And, um, you know, the, the pace of adoption certainly is slower because of that too. And you've got, it's, it's, it's one, one, one chance every year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real limitation. That's pretty stubborn. It, it's kind of hard to to maneuver around that one. Yeah. It's, yeah. You're not going to really be able to do much about changing how fast we go around the sun. So. Yeah. What's been the most rewarding, I mean, personally for you, what's been the most rewarding part uh, of Sentara? Um. You know, uh, when I when I joined, it was uh, about the size of company that I when I, my prior company when I joined it. Right, we were able to grow that business. And when I joined to be about you know, 100 employees, it grew to about 3,000. So I think you know, there's going back and being able to be part of that kind of beginning feel, and uh, you know, everybody's name, you know, um, see everybody walking in the hallways, and you more have a, a tighter relationship with them. I think. You know, that getting back to that type of, hey, we're on a mission to solve um, some pretty big problems. And, you know, the way we get there is not by the innovations that we're creating, but it's by help, helping facilitate the innovations of our customers and kind of keeping that be our, our daily focus every single day is let's just help our customers innovate faster. Um, you know, I think that that's been um, a lot of fun, right? It's just, it's uh, especially coming out of a pandemic, right? Getting back to working with people again, um, the relationships that we have and the, the amount of energy that's um, around accomplishing some of these really you know, challenging things has, has been a lot of fun. That's cool. Well, I've got to ask because there's not many people I talk to who've been a, in a leadership position of a company who went from 100 to 3,000. What What's something that you took away as a learning from that experience that you probably wouldn't have learned had you not been at a place that went from 100 to 3000, anything that was unique, uh, a unique learning from that? Um, well, I just think, I guess, structurally that, you know, we ended up, we grew a lot inorganically. So we made 
you know, well over 30 acquisitions and looked at many different boards. So you get to you get to see maybe what a lot of companies are doing well, uh, what others are don't are not doing well, because you have so many different other views at it. And so your your learning curve goes up quite a bit. Um, so there's various different go-to-markets that you're able to witness, um, whether it be an enterprise or a SaaS-like, you know, go-to-market, certainly that's helped um, as you come in and evaluate a new organization and what's going to be the best, you know, to help grow, you know, that business. Um, but I think beyond that, you know, the lesson you learn in a company that does that many acquisitions is that when you acquire a company, Sure, you're acquiring technology and a customer base, but ultimately it's the people, right, that make that business. And there's not a greater lesson that you can learn um, when you make an acquisition and your mission is to make sure you keep everybody, right? Um, so you, your, your investment you know, thesis, you know, comes to, to light. And um, it certainly puts a huge value on how important people are you know, to, to these businesses and, and that they're really the, the reason why, you know, either businesses thrive or, you know, they, they fail. Yeah. And it sounds like you're converting that learning into your time at Centera because when, you know, I just asked you what's rewarding and you basically said people. So it sounds like you're, you're trying to apply that uh, with your time there. Any, anything in particular that you have tried to emphasize uh, with the culture or the team or the way you recruit? Yeah, you know, um, maybe just overall operational discipline, right? I mean, when you're in a startup, it's fun to try everything new, right? And you, we're going to go and try a new technology. And I think now when you get to scale up mode, maybe it's not as fun, right? Because you're not, you don't get to do all the new stuff. You just got to perfect, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the stuff that you're doing. So, um, yeah, just putting maybe more structure in place and, and the operational discipline and, you know, um, you know, just keeping everybody rolling in, in one common direction. You know, that's, that's really how you, you go from, you know, that, you know, a hundred person to, to 3000. Yeah, totally. It's, um, the uh, the early days where it's a little bit of like shooting from the hip are always exciting to hear about, but that will not get you very far once you get to that scale up mode. Like you said, it's it's you got to have a structure. You got to know what each step is going to look like and you yeah. need a steady hand to help guide that. Right. Yeah. You know, especially when, you know, the, the culture is, OK, we can go do that right now. We're saying, well, you know, we're going to do that later. Right? Let's just get really, really good at this and let's go do that later. I think. That takes a little bit of time to, to change, but, um, you know, I think we got a really great team here and, um, you know, the level of expertise that, that we have. And, and really the, I'm not an ag guy, but boy, am I grateful that we have really strong ag mm -hmm. people here, um, you know, because it's, it's humbling. It's really humbling, um, you know, how complex right? The, the ag ecosystem is and learning how to navigate it. Um, I'm just grateful that we have such talented people with that expertise to, to help us get there. That's cool. Well, we have listeners in both of those Venn diagrams. We've got tech folks, we've got people in the ag space. If they wanted to learn more about Centera, what would be the place that you'd point them to learn more? Um, you know, go to our website. Um, obviously, we're open to, to having a conversation with with anyone, right? Whether it be on the tech side, uh, we've got a lot of different interesting 
um, you know, collaborations that we're, we're exploring uh, to make our tech even uh, you know, more usable or, or, or to make our data you know, uh, transition in, into our customers a lot faster. Um, so yeah, on the ag side, obviously we're, we're looking to, to help solve as many problems as, as you get, are working on and uh, whether that be you know, data modeling, data prediction, um, you know, data consistency, data standardization, data normalization. Um, obviously, you know, we've we've got a wide variety of uh, solutions that can help with all of them. That's awesome. Brian, thanks for taking time to chat today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Justin.